Sorry. I'm ready, he yelled unpreparedly. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Let the Right Films In, your podcast on the IMDb 250. Uh, we are here today to speak with you about a movie and joining us for the second time, but it's the first time you'll ever actually hear her. It's a rodent of unusual size joining us, Megan Moore. Hello there. And with me, as always, uh, the Dread Pirate Roberts, Kayla St. Hey. <laughs> and I am your host, and I honestly don't have much to talk about because my father is in quite good health, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but we have to talk about some things we've watched recently. Megan, we're going to have you lead us off. Wait, wait, I feel like, hold on, we should probably say that we're talking about The Princess Bride. <laughs> no, they'll figure it out eventually. <laughs> also, the title of the episode gives it away. I, mean, I know, but still. <laughs> just because that's what a professional host of an audio uh, thing would do. An audio thing. <laughs> an audio thing. An audio presentation, an audio production. RKO a, pictures. <laughs> a piece of entertainment uh, that is a feast for the ears. Yes, we're talking about The Princess Bride. But first, <laughs> but first, we're going to talk about some other things we've watched recently. And we're going to start with Megan, who's uh, going to tell us about two things. <laughs> well, let's see. Recently. To start, I've been watching a copious amount of trashy reality TV because somehow the Real Housewives have ended up back in my life. Do they ever really leave your life, though? No. <laughs> can't ever get rid of Teresa, no matter how bad her hairline is. Ugh, Teresa. But, on a movie note, I watched, well, okay, I should say I rewatched and reread Neil Gaiman's Stardust for, like, the umpteenth time. Yes. So, that has some, you know, connection with The Princess Bride, because they're both kind of fairy tale esque I would say. I've never watched or read. You've you've never seen Stardust. No. What? It's no. on Netflix. Fired from this <laughs> podcast. This is literally like one of the greatest movies ever. It has Claire Danes in it. It has oh Robert De Niro. Robert Robert De Niro. He plays a gay space like a gay airship pirate. And then the guy that's on Daredevil is the main guy. And I'm actually kind of bummed. Like the book is a little a little lot. A lot different than the movie. <laughs> I mean, Neil Gaiman does seem like someone you'd have to uh, go to some lengths to adapt because his books are quite, uh, how would you describe them? I don't know. Dark, I don't know. <laughs> like, they're dark and they're very fantastical and I can't, like, they're doing the American God series. Yeah. And it's going to be really interesting how they adapt that. That'll... How is it How is it different from the movie, just out of curiosity, because I've, I've never read the book. Spoilers. The... Oh, yeah. The book, there's actually a few versions of the book. There's one that's um, an illustrated version, which is the first book that I read out of the Stardust thing. And the one that I checked out from the library just to reread after rewatching. And it doesn't include the fantastic character of Robert De Niro's. I mean, it does, but they don't really expand upon him as much as they do in the movie. Like, in the book, he has a really small role, and it's not nearly as wonderful and amazing. <laughs> I mean, when you get Bob De Niro, you really gotta Stop maximize Stop calling him that. Bob De Niro. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes, Robert De Niro is really the shining, like, <laughs> the greatest thing of that movie. He, he calls himself Shakespeare because he loves William Shakespeare, but all the, like, all the pirates thought he just meant Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Yes, it's good. <laughs> and, I mean, the ending's a little different, but I really don't want to spoil it for anyone. Okay. I'll between the movie and the book. I guess. So. <laughs> I've never, I just, you know, one day, maybe I'll Oh, also Michelle it. Pfeiffer's in it, and she oh, plays yeah. the evil witch. Oh, yeah. Who can forget the evil witch? And there's unicorns in the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the book. Someone gets turned into a mouse at some point. What is, oh, like, the no, plot of this movie? Goat. What's the whole... Someone gets turned into a goat, too. Is it a goat? Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, so what happened... Uh, I guess the basic plot <laughs> is... Uh, it's been, like, a really long time since I've seen it. They have to... Um. Oh, the guy, Tristram, is <clears throat> in love 
with this, like, village girl who doesn't care about him, and they see a shooting star, and she tells him that if he'll go, like, get the shooting star for her, then she'll marry him. So he goes, like, through this hole in the wall that leads to Magic World that his father told him never to go to. Oh. <laughs> because that's where his mother was. I'm doing a terrible... I always do, like, such a terrible <laughs> job of describing movies. But anyway, it turns out that the star is, like, a person, kind of. Like, stars are their own, like, race of people. And so he's gonna, like, bring the star girl back. <laughs> but that's kidnapping. Technically, yes. And then there's, like, the whole witch thing because they want the star. And Oh, and don't forget the brothers that are trying to become the leaders. Right. I, I can't remember how that factors in. Please remind me. Uh, it sounds like there's a lot going on There's here. a lot of brothers. There were, like, seven of them. And, or no, six of them. And they all tried to usurp their father. But And I just dropped my phone. They tried to <laughs> usurp their father. And they kept dying. So the ghosts of the brothers keep following them around. Which is really weird, but right. Oh yeah, that's right. So the ghosts follow like the one that's left as he tries to like get the throne. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And there's like great fight scenes in there, and just a love story. You know, they talk about having to live in the shadow of your older siblings, and this just (laughs) seems like the ultimate end of that. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a really good movie though. We should watch it sometime because you'd probably like it a lot. Mm -hmm. It's very enjoyable. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about besides... We could go in on Real Housewives. Real Housewives. I'm totally yeah, cool like, with if that. You, if you want to talk about it, go I've for it. I've been listening but... to a reality TV podcast once a week for the past two and a half years without actually ever watching reality TV, so this, this is a good space. Well, there's just a lot of drama with them, I think. <laughs> oh my gosh, I don't even know which one I was watching the other night, but it was just screaming and crying galore as all the real housewives are want to do (laughs) and then today i actually discovered that in ios 10 you can now include real housewives stickers with your iMessages. yes so uh needless to say i have been sending those out to people now i'm not sorry (laughs) to people who actually know what they are or do they just get them like megan what are you what are you doing i don't understand some of them have the real housewives in them and others don't like i sent one to my best friend where and they feature oh i don't know the cast or some of the cast members from atlanta and new jersey and the oc and it's just like it's really funny stuff there's a someone saying fix it jesus please spill the tea take (laughs) a xanax uh giving me life with a heartbeat which yes i use that a lot (laughs) <laughs> oh, and there's a couple from New York as well. There are so many housewives to keep up with. There are. This is why it's really a shame that we haven't been keeping up on it more. We could start <laughs> a housewives podcast. No, Jesus, no, thank you. It's Come easier on. to keep up with the Kardashians than it is with the housewives, honestly. <laughs> there are only a few Kardashians, even in the extended Kardashian universe. The extended Kardashian universe. You better believe. Speaking of that drama, we all saw that Black China leaked Rob Kardashian's number on Twitter last night, right? No. Oh my god. Why didn't you tell me this sooner? <laughs> I like. I don't really watch reality TV, but I love celebrity drama so much. It's kind of embarrassing. Oh my gosh. Well, like last week, didn't he send out Kylie's number on Twitter? Yes. <laughs> it's just that whole family is They're just, just doing it, it up. God, Kylie's care. like a child. What the yeah, hell? Well, I mean, she's kind of an asshole, but she is a child. But, well, that was like, I guess she was like, now now we've got to cancel his number. No bitches can text him. Oh, yeah, because she had it on Snapchat, too. Like, yeah. the actual real time of him getting all those messages just Oh my gosh, she is just the queen of pettiness right now. Pretty much. Not to mention, like, the ultimate pettiness of <laughs> getting pregnant with your enemy's child to ensure. I'm, okay, I'm, uh... So, yeah. <laughs> maybe this, isn't, Please, the, maybe this isn't the right space to delve Nope, nope, go, go, but... go, this is the time. So... Well, don't forget that <laughs> Tyga and Black China have a kid together and Tyga is still left, dating Kylie. He and... left her to be with Kylie, yep. who is a child. So she like went and got pregnant with Rob Kardashian's baby. 
This is incredible. Which I'm saying, like, I'm sure that they probably maybe love each other, but also I, I don't believe for one second that that was not at least initially fueled by extreme <laughs> petty revenge plot. I don't even know. I don't even know. And now there's reports coming out that they're, like, not together or that they're just together for the show or even doing a brief browse through of grocery store tabloids the other day apparently the baby <laughs> might not even be robs like oh my god what? i can't believe that <laughs> this is, we already have one fake baby scandal going on in we can dive into that world. too no god okay we need to move on from this but <laughs> just saying <laughs> we don't need more fake baby scandals so megan was there what i can't remember was <laughs> the housewives actually one of one of your two recently watched things or did was there a different thing besides uh, Neil Gaiman. No, no, the Housewives were actually one of my two most recent things. Okay. That's, what, that's, just... well, that's why I wanted to dive into it more. We got to get into the, the drama. <laughs> I'm just a garbage person who watches garbage TV. That's all. Oh no. <laughs> uh, we 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 watch some garbage things too, but we won't go into that. <laughs> Kayla, what's some garbage stuff you watched recently? Um, I haven't watched any garbage stuff recently. Uh, right <laughs> before we went to Connecticut on our road trip, Ben and I watched the pilot to the classic Brian Fuller television show, Dead Like Me, which also has Mandy Patinkin in it, which is a nice little tie-in. You did it. But basically, it's about a teenage girl who dies suddenly by being hit by a piece of uh, satellite that falls from the space. and then That's some bad luck. She, yeah, well, then she finds out that she, like, has the option to either move on or become a Grim Reaper. And since she felt like her entire life was just pointless and, like, she didn't really do anything, she decides to become a Grim Reaper. So, so they... she can make people dead like her? No, but it's, like, they're, it's like a good thing. Like, they help okay. people, like, and collect their souls and send them off to, like, paradise or whatever. But, yeah, so we only watched the first episode, but so far it's really, uh, really good. And it's funny because we had we'd wanted to watch it because I... Like, a, a while ago, I was working on a, a book, I guess, a novel, <laughs> as as all white people are. <laughs> I was working on a novel, and the, the basic plot line was that uh, this girl, like, meets and falls in love with the, like, princess of the underworld, Grim Reaper. And I had mentioned this offhandedly to Ben. He's like, oh, so literally, like, just like Dead Like Me. And I was like, no, like, what do you mean just like this? So we watched it. Thankfully, it was not actually that similar to what I had come up with, but it was still a little miffed. But uh, it's like it's interesting the to see. The nerve of Brian Fuller, really. It's, of course, it was Brian Fuller, too. Like, uh, yeah, I don't know. But Kayla is a noted Brian Fuller fan. I love him. Her and life was ruined when Pushing Daisies stopped happening. My life is ruined every time that Brian Fuller comes out with a new show because it always gets canceled because there's no justice in this world. Because guess what? Dead Like Me also got canceled after two seasons. <laughs> Speaking Hannibal of shows and dead people. <laughs> no, actually, this is very relevant. Like, it's that quirky sort of thing. Uh, the Good Place with Kristen Bell is now on TV. I've and heard I, about that. I, you know what? I also have watched that. And I th- I have high hopes for it. Also because the guy who's worked on the show has done a lot of other great shows like the office and parks and rec oh it's mike sure yeah yes yeah mike sure starring Kristen. well i went from not really knowing what that is to suddenly caring about it a lot <laughs> noted, i forgot I, noted I, parks and rec enthusiast <laughs> but yeah you watched the first episode or i've actually seen the first four now oh wow they're that i am so behind yeah I'm it's really on uh, thursdays on nbc thursdays yep Thursdays on NBC, Kayla. That's hmm. where Parks and Rec used to be. Yeah, don't talk to me about Parks and Rec being over. Yeah, no, it is. It's actually, I feel like it's kind of in the realm because I've seen parts of I've seen parts of Dead Like Me, and I've seen Pushing Daisies, and I'm still mourning that. But it definitely, definitely is in the realm of that. I will have to check that out because that sounds really good. And if it has a Parks and Rec writer, I will be all over that probably. <laughs> and Kristen Bell. Yes, also love Kristen Bell. Like, who doesn't, she, honestly? She a gift. <laughs> I'm all about Veronica Mars. It's very on brand. I'm classic me, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the other thing I watched this week uh, was the Ali Wong stand-up special on Netflix. Oh, yes. And I had seen, like, GIFs of it here and there on Twitter and on Tumblr, but 
I, I must say, like, all of her jokes are funny, even if you're reading them, but you have to watch it because her delivery is impeccable. And also, she's, like, eight months pregnant. <laughs> so it kind, of, <laughs> it kind of lends to even more humorous when she's, like, kind of just, like, strolling around stage, like groping at her stomach and (laughs) using it as a prop almost but yeah there are a lot of really great segments in there where she talks about being like asian american and she talks about how her husband went to harvard law school and when she met him she decided she was going to trap him (laughs) and there's also a very great segment about (laughs) how as women we shouldn't have told the secret that we can do whatever we want she's like guys we had it so good we could just we could just lay around and watch Netflix and use our own bathrooms. And we just had to be like, yes, I'm a stupid woman. I cannot do anything. I just have to lay at home and watch this TV show some more. <laughs> like the best part. She's like, I don't want to go forward. I want to lie down. <laughs> I want to lie the fuck down. <laughs> and it's just, I don't know. It's great. It's great. It's super funny. It's about an hour long. If you're a fan of like John Mulaney, I would say it's pretty like similar to that sort of awkward but relatable humor are we fans of john mulaney here (laughs) we are indeed and so yeah i would highly recommend that if you're just in the mood for a good old laugh well thank you kayla (laughs) i actually have been meaning to watch that because that was a popular podcast topic because it touched on certain societal things and Mm -hmm. also was very funny but i so today is uh as we record this it is 2 p.m on friday september 30th uh, Luke Cage dropped about 11 hours ago, and I have already worked my way through a good third of it, at least. Priorities. <laughs> I, I did <laughs> I it for the podcast. I forgot it dropped today. Oh, my God. You are so behind. Oh, my God. I still haven't even seen Daredevil or Jessica Jones, I mean, so I'm, like, ultimo behind. You don't need to see Daredevil. <laughs> so Jessica Jones is pretty cool, though. That's worthwhile. But uh, Luke, I, I mean, I, I can't say for sure yet, but... Luke Cage is, at at the very least, I like it a lot more than Daredevil, and uh, we'll see, obviously, how it compares to Jessica Jones, but uh, I'm really enjoying it so far. I mean, I haven't had much time to get my thoughts together on this, obviously, but basically, as we saw in Jessica Jones, Mike Coulter is incredible as Luke Cage, and that continues here, as he has taken refuge in Harlem in a barbershop run by a, a neighborhood kind of hero, Pop. His name is Pop. Well, he goes by Pop. and uh, That is his birth name. As you might imagine in a Marvel TV show, stuff goes bad, and Luke Cage, he of the unbreakable skin, must, uh, he's got to kind of get back to work. So Mike Coulter is incredible. Uh, Simone Missick as Misty Knight. I was hearing rumblings of this from TV critics in the past couple weeks, but she's all, like, she's incredible all on her own. She could have her own show, honestly. Got a pretty solid vil- villain with uh, Cornell Stokes slash Cottonmouth. And just some solid stuff all around. It's an incredible casting. It is uh, one of the least white shows you'll see, which is always good, especially for something with this much attention. Uh, it's just... It's a very capable, satisfying show so far, and it feels all the more fresh and real because it's giving all these faces that you might you recognize from much smaller parts in television and movies a chance to shine and shine they do because they are fantastic as you know for the video store that shall not be named we get a chance to see uh these things called dvds they're like physical discs that have movies on them we get a chance to check those out before they first come out and i did that last week with both the shallows and central intelligence I'm going to go in on The Shallows because Central Intelligence, there isn't much to say besides The Rock is a national treasure and he and Kevin Hart have a great rapport. It's pretty funny. Although not as funny as I hope, but that's another thing. Uh, the Shallows is the Blake Lively versus Shark uh, movie that <laughs> sounds like a sci-fi movie, but is actually quite good. Uh, it is one of the most stunning visual movies you'll see. It reminds me of The Neon Demon with how singularly beautiful and just colorful its visuals are but without all the things that make the neon demon unpalatable <laughs> to a lot of people given that the shallows is not directed by nicholas winding revan it's almost like that just immediately makes it a better movie right <laughs> off the bat who was recently interviewed by james franco the worst because sometimes the universe just lines up so perfectly 
that you get the two people who were just made for each other in a room together. They have to go lay down. <laughs> but uh, the shallows, <laughs> despite the fact that it takes place mostly in this little, um, this little inlet where Blake Lively is trapped on a rock after being attacked by a shark, it manages to stay pretty thrilling throughout, even as time passes and even as it's just this man versus nature struggle that even Werner Herzog would fall in love with. But yeah, it's pretty good. It's uh, pretty thrilling. There's some unbelievable stuff, and I don't know why the shark is so angry. You know, <laughs> sharks get a bad rap already. I really don't need think we need to paste, paint them as uh, I do unstoppable killing machines. Sharks are just kind, confused animals who can't see very well. So nine times out of ten when a shark attacks, it's because it was provoked or because it thought you were a seal. <laughs> also, what? can we stop saying shark-infested waters? They live there. That's where they live. <laughs> not infested. <laughs> like, if anything, human-infested ocean would be more apt. This shark is very upset with human infestation because it literally tears apart a metal bayou to try to eat Blake Lively. Wow. Which just seems excessive. What? <laughs> That's, it, uh, that's intense. It's kind of impressive. Well, so, well, you the, had some pretty good like joke theories about why the shark was so mad. <laughs> um, so my theory is why the shark was so mad. I'm just gonna like look them up because <laughs> despite the note. fact that I hope that despite the fact that I host a podcast, I'm uh, much better when I write things. Uh, so some reasons the shark might have been so angry in the shallows. Uh, the shark is having a very difficult time in life right now, and the last thing it needed was for its fast food to fight back. <laughs> like, just imagine if a double cheeseburger just came into your life and punched you in the face. You'd 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 want to stomp on that. I double would definitely tear apart a metal bayou with my teeth to fight the double cheeseburger. <laughs> and I said bayou, but I think I meant buoy, which makes so much more sense because I don't oh, think that, okay. I don't think bayous are metal. Yeah, now that I knew, like in my brain, what you meant. <laughs> uh, this is a shark that finishes what it starts, and Mama didn't raise no quitter. <laughs> There is an ancient prophecy about a devil with blonde hair who will upset the food chain once and for all, and only this shark can save his species. Uh, spoiler alert, one. but his species is not saved. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and then our friend is socially progressive and was very miffed by Blake Lively's camp comments. <laughs> That's Actually, I lied. That's my favorite. <sighs> He's, he, he had actually just watched... Um, What's it, what's it called? Irrational Man? What's the no, Walking Phoenix one? Cafe Society. Well, that's a different one. But yeah, he just watched Cafe Isn't Society. Isn't that the one that Blake Lively is in? Yeah, it is. Oh, Irrational Man is the Walking that's Phoenix the, that's, one. That one's They're all even, basically the same. It doesn't matter. Irrational Man is even more <laughs> egregious because Walking Phoenix is an older man. And so it's closer in that. Anyways, Woody Allen, everyone. <laughs> There's uh, an embargo on him on this podcast. <laughs> time to move so, on. So, uh, The Shallows, yeah, it's pretty <laughs> great and thrilling, and Woody Allen is not involved at all. <laughs> so that's what I watched recently. <laughs> Blake Lively is also is also really good in a, in a movie where she's... Oh my goodness. Random thing. So, you know how, in, because our, uh, our society is so uh, taken over by technology now, we're all, like, just obsessed with our phones, and now... Television and movies are trying to represent that obsession with our phones. They try to represent it like you'll have text bubbles pop up and you think, wow, face chat, that's your analogy. <laughs> that's what's your thing that's analogous analogous to Facebook. Face chat, you can't do better than that. <laughs> this actually has a pretty cool representation of like showing text on the screen and making you read, but like like a, a reasonable amount. I don't know. It's yeah, just a really I... cool representation of uh how we use technology mm -hmm. in a very casual and unobtrusive, unobtrusive way. It was very fittingly beautiful with all the other beautiful stuff on the screen. It was just, you know, it's a small thing, but it meant a lot to me. Yay! <laughs> and that is my confused and rambling take on the shallows. <laughs> but now. But now. It is time. It is time. <laughs> Those are the things we've watched recently, from Housewives to Neil Gaiman to whatever Kayla talked about. <laughs> I want to lie down. <laughs> Brian Fuller and lying down. And then Woody Allen versus Sharks, I think. <laughs> but now, now that Woody Allen has been devoured. Wait, can we call this episode Princess Pride Woody Allen versus Sharks? <laughs> now that Woody Allen has been devoured by sharks. Yes. In, in the most vicious manner possible. <laughs> Let's talk about the Princess Bride. Grandfather's here. Can't you tell me I'm sick? He'll pinch my cheek. I hate that. Maybe he won't. 
It was a time when life didn't seem so complicated. Marriage is what brings us together today. What? The Princess Bride is the 1987 film from Rob Reiner, adapted from the William Goldman novel, adapted by William Goldman himself, who also wrote the script. It had a budget of $16 million and made a modest profit of $30.8 million. Despite only being a modest success in the box office, it is tremendously loved today as evidenced by the fact that it is number 196 on the IMDb 250, a ranking that we actually won't quibble with, I don't think. Uh, It's got an 8.1 on IMDb and 97% on Rotten Tomatoes and is pretty universally loved by all people who have hearts and minds. I would quibble with the ranking just because I think maybe it should be higher than 196. Okay, that's fair. Just because there are a lot of movies that are above it that I... mm. (laughs) I should say we won't quibble with the fact that it's on this list where (laughs) there are many movies that we like but would quibble with and have. Yes. But, Megan, you suggested uh, The Princess Bride many, many moons ago. Why did you suggest The Princess Bride? Why have you brought this movie before the Let the Right Films in Court today? Because it is a classic and everyone and their mother and maybe their mother's mother um, could quote something from it. And of course, you know, who doesn't love a good movie with swords and six fingered men? They actually learned to to fight with swords, too. They did it. They did the thing. Yeah. And I mean, I'm a huge nerd and have a lot of friends in the fencing community. And this is one of the movies that often gets quoted within the fencing community because Swords, duh. <laughs> I was gonna say there can't. Uh, are there that many movies that the fencing community can really grab, like a uh, grasp onto, or is it just this one? This one seems to be the one that be, uh, everyone latches onto, even though Star Wars is kind of growing <laughs> up there. I know after the Force Awakens came out, a lot of fencing schools and clubs were actually doing Star Wars classes because lightsabering. Who wouldn't want to attack someone with a lightsaber? incredible have they considered maybe like coloring their cords with luminescent green or red paint to try to increase the (laughs) popularity of fencing well in uh if anybody watched the olympics it was on tv for a little bit because team usa kicked ass took names except when it came to russia but (laughs) (laughs) and they didn't actually have cords on the international fie because fie is the fencing international whatever I, i don't remember off the top of my head but it actually uses electronic stuff where it's cordless and their masks light up each time that they get a touch and it's very futuristic like if you look at some of the time-lapse photos taken from the olympics of the various weapons and blades it is really cool to see sounds like some tron stuff (laughs) yeah actually they even had the arena kind of like super tron like yes i resident only tron stand in the entire (laughs) world pretty much but yeah so this is like a really quintessential movie that i think we've probably all seen a lot throughout our lives i'm just curious like what was your first experience? Like, what do you remember, like, the first time you saw it? Or, like, what's your most, like, standout memory from having you know seen what? this movie? I didn't watch this movie as a kid because I don't know what was wrong with me. I The <laughs> first time I saw it was actually at some point in high school when it was one of the movies being played during Christmas because no one wanted to learn anything and no one wanted to teach. So it was either watch Ice Age or watch The Princess Bride. I would say The Princess Bride is definitely better than Ice Age. (laughs) Yes, I have seen Ice Age more than I ever want to see that movie because my (laughs) school just decided to play it endlessly. But The Princess Bride... Ice Age? I don't know. Why? (laughs) I really don't know. There are so many animated movies. (laughs) Between that, Elf and The Princess Bride, I think more of my friends appreciated watching Elf and The Princess Bride over Ice Age. Yeah. But... Yeah, it, uh, watching it in high school, it's like, oh my god, where have I been? Have I, why have I been living under a rock all these years for not having actually seen it for this long? And it's become one of my favorite films. I think the first time that I saw, I remember specifically, I had a friend in grade school that I would stay, like, I would stay the night at her house, like, 
almost every weekend, I think. And for some reason, every time we watched The Princess Bride, I, it got to the point where I could almost recite the entire movie. <laughs> and then there was a long time where I just didn't watch it because I had seen it so many times that I was a little burned out on it. But it's nice to, I don't know, I, I really, like, that sucks that you didn't get to see it as a kid because I feel like it's interesting to go from watching it as a child and then watching it as an adult and having so many more of the jokes land. And I think it's one of those really good movies that proves that you can make a family movie that's, like, appealing to everybody but is still... You know, it's it's not just for kids. Like Shrek. He makes a comment on yes. her perfect breasts. I don't think that's appropriate for children. Children should know that breasts are good and great. <laughs> yeah. I see nothing and that wrong with if that. You that's fair. Stab them, that's just a complete waste of everything. It's bad. Don't stab <laughs> your breasts. It's the great PSA <laughs> of the Princess Bride, the Maybe. great lesson we all took from it. <laughs> Maybe that should be the episode title for this ride, <laughs> Don't Stab Your Breath. <laughs> well, by the time that this episode actually goes live, it'll be October, which is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, so... Oh, shit. Maybe yeah. I'll get it out by the end of the... D- I won't get it out. But uh, the first time I saw this movie, uh, I'm pretty sure I, ne- I actually just heard the entire thing reenacted by a high school friend before I ever actually saw it. Because okay, so you didn't see it as a kid either. No, what the hell? I was never actually a child. I was spawned <laughs> as a teenager from my from my mother's side, like much like the children of Zeus were spawned from from it. Oh my God. And so you know, I, I didn't get to see a lot of I'm movies because I was never a kid. Said that and she's gonna be like, "That's disgusting. Stop saying that." <laughs> so I I think the first time I saw it was freshman year of high school late in the year after this friend had quoted it at me incessantly and so i finally got to know why this guy wanted to kill someone so badly uh when his father had died uh what inconceivable actually means and what someone thought it means all this different stuff but it was really fun but then we watched it over and over again and i was also young and dumb and didn't appreciate uh the humor at the time much like with scott pilgrim and it's like oh, i mean it's fine but i don't know why you guys love it so much and then of course rewatching it years later i realized that i was a dumb child in many ways at the time and this was one of them but yeah this is this is great i even even uh jaded awful teenage me liked this movie even if he didn't love it so that's it. That's it. That's the Princess Bride. <laughs> that's the whole episode. <laughs> so, I mean, one thing that interests me, uh, so we did Stand By Me recently, which is kind of another example of a family movie, or of what could be a family movie that isn't quite for the whole family. Uh, uh, by 80s standards, I mean, I feel like it. That's true. By 80s standards, it is more of a family film. I guess not... I would say, yeah, I guess I would say both these movies are maybe more for, like, adolescents than children. Consider all the violence in the Marvel movies that are also, like, for adolescents. I don't consider family movies, though. That's the thing. <laughs> Everybody they're does. Stupid. They're just dumb. <laughs> yeah, the entire concept of a family movie has been totally butchered into PG-13 action death movie that, for some reason, there's no blood, so it's okay, and animated movie, but... What I was actually going to talk about, uh, that movie was directed by Rob Reiner in 1986. This is actually his follow-up to that movie in 1987, and this is part of an incredible run that kind of makes Rob Reiner one of our greatest directors, even though I don't think know that anyone would really consider him in that manner because he hasn't made much on that of that quality level recently, but he made from 84 to 95, he made Spinal Tap, Sure Thing, which I've never seen, Stand By Me, Princess Bride, When Harry Met Sally, Misery, A Few, uh, a few Good Men, and The American President. That dude, that dude had a run. And uh, as someone who was born basically when it ended, I never really appreciated that until we watched Stand By Me. Another movie I hadn't seen as a child. I never saw Stand By Me before we did the episode either. I mostly watched this Toy Story over and over again as a kid. <laughs> yeah, I think the issue with Rob Reiner is that... I don't know. I think it's not even just Rob Reiner. I think we kind of almost expect too much out of people in a way that it's like... 
okay, yeah, you had this 10-year thing where you put out some of, like, the greatest movies in our film history that we consider cultural icons, but then you, made the ma- then you made The Magic of Belle Isle, so I don't know why I should care about that, you know? And, like, I don't think that's necessarily fair. I think everybody has missteps, and I also think that it's almost impossible to operate at that high of a caliber across your entire career. And I think even with Spielberg and other directors like that, you can see like there are lulls and there are, it's been quite the lull though. It's been quite the lull, but the that's okay. Jeff Anderson. So the rumor I know, has I'm it. Look, I'm looking at it right now. The bucket it's, list. It's fine. The point is it doesn't it's negate <laughs> the important place in film history that Rob Reiner or any other artist has. And this I think that true. maybe people should be more considerate of that. When... Stop being so mean to Rob Reiner. People, I imagine, are well, mean not, to Rob Reiner. Well, not just, not just Rob Reiner. I feel like that's like I feel like that is kind of a problem that we have is that we expect awesome perfection and high quality output from everyone all the time. I mean, when you have Christopher Nolan making perfect movie after Jesus, perfect movie. God damn it, Tyler. What is this your favorite Rob Reiner movie? Do you think? Just out of curiosity, I would say yeah, for sure. I probably, think this is yeah. pro- almost. I would say uh, there are probably a certain number of people that. Would like stand by me better, or this is Spinal Tap, but that's also a very different kind of movie. We need to watch Spinal Tap. I also have. Oh my gosh! (laughs) We are presumably music industry adjacent people who have never. I have quit the music industry. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I am over it. But uh, yeah, I would say yeah. I also have never seen Misery, which is upsetting to me because it's like probably one of the only good Stephen (laughs) King adaptations. Okay, the only good, like, horror Stephen King adaptation. I always get, I always get, like, blindsided by this, because I'm like, there's no good Stephen King movies, and then people are like, what about Shawshank Redemption, Green Mile, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, those don't count. Those are different. That's not... You missed. But what? No. We're gonna find out the missed <laughs> on every episode. <laughs> anyway, Stephen King is not the point of this podcast, although he makes a guest appearance very often. Anyways, the, uh, <laughs> Steve, the requisite Stephen King tangent is over. <laughs> So besides Rob Reiner, one of the other notable people in this who's had a very interesting career, Robin Wright. And this was like one of her first roles, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wasn't alive at the time, and I haven't enough about it, but like she's basically the it girl of the time, mm-hmm. where she was like in this, and she was in Forrest Gump, and then she disappeared. And now she's Kevin Spacey's wife in House of Cards. Well, I mean, she's done in, she's done in similar stuff. I was going to say, I check, and she does stuff regularly, but it does seem like, especially from, peop- from um, people who were old- people who were older than us, who were alive at the time, who were, like, reviewing movies and stuff at the time, kind of felt like she disappeared for a while. You to, know like, why that is? To, like, have a family or something? Uh, no, she married Sean Penn. Oh, and that's right. probably had a really bad time yeah. being married to Sean Penn. I don't know, oh. like, the specifics of that, but I would gander a it, guess. It seems like being married to Sean Penn is usually a bad time for most people. Yes. Judging by how it always ends and the stories that come out and him being a bad person. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so I would say that probably has something to do with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But Robin Wright's great. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's had a she's had a very interesting and varied career and I think now it's interesting. She gets to do the House of Cards thing, but I think that she also chooses very interesting projects now that you wouldn't necessarily expect from like eighties it girl you know, rom-com She star. seems to get more, she seems to be able to do more now kind of what, what she wants mm-hmm. and kind of takes the roles that she wants to do and be incredible in them. Uh, have you seen The Congress? I have not. One of my favorite things she's done recently is The Congress, which is this movie where aging actress Robin Wright, because she's playing herself, uh, gets, has a son who has like some kind of terminal illness and she sells the rights to her likeness and so they do a digital scan of her, and it turns into this like crazy cartoon future world where she has sold her likeness and everything. It's this animated, awful future. I don't know. It's, I haven't seen it in a while, but it's like one of the most fascinating things that you don't get to see that often. And it's just Robin Wright being in it makes it all the more fascinating and incredible. But I'm just really glad she's come back to acting because she's probably the best part of House of Cards and... Even when she's in, she's one of those actors who, even when she's in something that isn't great, you can always kind of cling to her performance as something worthwhile in the thing. It's almost a bummer because I feel like uh, Buttercup is such an interesting character in the novel. And I think she has a lot, like, in a way, she has a lot more to do. She's a lot more talkative. 
And in the in the movie, we don't necessarily get like a lot from the prince she, from her, just because. Well, because she kind of is just there, and then she says that she loves Wesley, and I think that that's like the one misstep that the movie makes is that they could have done a much better job of developing what is between Buttercup and Wesley because there are a lot of very funny moments in the book between the two of them and like that show that they really do like love and care about each other because I feel like that is kind of one of the things where the movie is just sort of like and they're in love and Mm -hmm. we don't really see how that happens or they just are they just just happens they just didn't know they were and then they were and then they're separated and they must find each other yeah and speaking of this being a love story can we also just bring up the fact that Fred Savage does an amazing job as the sick guy that his grandfather reads the story to, where every so often you will see the story just interrupted and him just being so disgusted over the fact that it's a love story. Gross. This, they're Grandpa. kissing. We'll say that I do really enjoy that they adopted that structure as kind of a wink to the fact that it was initially a novel. And it kind of lends itself to this being a family movie. (laughs) Because it's just this grandfather reading this story to his child. And not only do you get the love story between uh, Wesley and Buttercup coming together, you also get the story of familial love between this grandfather and his grandson bonding and just... Well, it's funny because the frame story for the novel is that supposed, like, it's all all fake. Like, he made it up. But apparently, William Goldberg, in the foreword of the novel, says that his father had read him The Princess Bride by S. Morgenstern, a famous uh, European author, and how he had given it to his, he had, like, tracked down a copy to give to his son, and his son hated it. And he couldn't understand why his son would hate such an incredible novel. And then he went and started to read the copy and realized that his father had edited out all of the boring, like, <laughs> terrible stuff and just kept in all of the good stuff. So he creates the abridged version of S. Morgenstern's classic, The Princess Bride, to make it interesting and fun. <laughs> that's just brilliant. So, like, that's... And I think that's also kind of what the the grandpa reading it to the grandson is a wink to as well. That's... And now I'm even less surprised that this movie is so delightful because someone who can come up with that clever and <laughs> hilarious of a fake backstory makes sense that he can come up with the one of the most quotable movies we've ever had that is incredibly funny. And, you know, it's, you know what it is? It's kind of inconceivable. Inconce- God damn it. Inconceivable. We've gotten so far without me just devolving. Oh no. I, was just, I feel like I the... was sorry. I was just about to be like, well, William Goldman is actually like kind of one of our national treasures, blah, blah, blah. Scrolling through his IMDb. Dreamcatcher. Yes. <laughs> no. Yes. <laughs> so... Dreamcatcher is incredible. <laughs> he also wrote the screenplay for Hearts in Atlantis directly before that so i don't know how you go from hearts okay uh dreamcatcher is a garbage stephen king book it's entertaining william goldman is even more connected to stephen king than we thought (laughs) we can never escape him yeah uh dreamcatcher is a garbage stephen king model and uh uh, novel and william goldman and larry kazdan never stood a chance (laughs) he also did the screenplay for misery (laughs) stephen king is all around us (laughs) Everywhere. I was gonna say, <laughs> since we have gotten to the quotability section, I guess Megan, what is your favorite quote from the movie, or your favorite section? I guess because it's basically one giant quote. But oh my gosh, there are so many. I mean, every <laughs> rank the jokes from one to twenty-five. Oh jeez. <laughs> I mean, everybody knows. <laughs> right now, right now. I'm doing this off the top of my head, but everybody knows my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. <laughs> prepare to die like that one (laughs) but but and i have to pull up the imdb page go me because like i can't remember quotes off the top of my head that's that's Uh, what we oh um, i always have imdb yeah i mean i had the wikipedia page up for the general info but that isn't quotes let's see imdb princess brad we have of course one of my favorites which is about the (laughs) rodents of unusual sizes because they just don't exist, and then you see this giant one pop out of nowhere. I mean, who doesn't love that, honestly? But, oh, right, with the grandpa and the grandson, going back to them, there's a spot where the grandpa says, she doesn't get eaten by the eels at this time. And the grandson's like, what? The grandpa says, 
The eel doesn't get her. I'm explaining to you because you look nervous. And Grandson says, I wasn't nervous. Maybe I was a little bit concerned, but that's not the same thing. That's that's a great quote to just throw in here because we were talking about people being eaten by sharks earlier. So why not bring up the being eaten by eels? Yes. I, I like, uh, it'd be a shame to kill you. Or be, wait, what, what is that? Be ashamed to die or something like that. I don't know. The fencing. I love the fencing scene. The fencing scene is just full of of the little... greatest sword mm-hmm. fight of all time. Yes, <laughs> it is the greatest sword fight of all time. Even just little things like I'm left handed or right handed. I I'm also terrible at quotes. F- Doing good. Uh, yeah, this is great. actually so we're the great. novel is one of Ben's favorite books. So we have several scraps of paper with the quote: "Life is pain, highness. Anyone that says differently is selling something." Just kind of around, like just run in the fridge. I think there's one in our room <laughs> on our shelf. <laughs> He's a big fan of that quote, that Ben. But uh, I also love Buttercup being like, we'll never survive. And Wesley replying, nonsense. You're only saying that because no one ever has. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so clever. It packs more laughs than an entire season of your favorite sitcom. It does, in a way, kind of remind me of Clue and that very quick-witted, on-the-nose yes. uh which we also just watched recently. Yes. I yes, I feel they're very much in the same, the same spirit. <laughs> Prin- like Princess Bride also has this weird timelessness about it, or maybe not weird, but this unique timelessness about it, where it's obviously it was obviously made a couple de- decades ago, but it, it's probably because it's a fa- entirely a fantasy story, but it doesn't date the same way movies seem to. Um, it the sign of a true classic I, like i think it i'm mean, besides just being really good it kind of, between it being a fantasy story and between it kind of being a book that this 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 grandfather's reading to his son it kind of just sets it up in a way where uh unless you had like really cheesy special effects or something there's nothing that's going to date it as much as uh many movies often are <laughs> well it's also a joke that that in the novel that it is very much like you're supposed to be confused about what time period the novel is happening in at all times. There are a lot of per- parenthetical asides with, uh, I don't remember the exact quotes, but it's something along the lines of, well, you see, like, this was before Europe, but there was Paris and just, like, stuff like that. Like, it'd be like, oh, and she was the most beautiful woman in all of Europe, except this was before Europe, and so no one knew that there was Europe, and just, like, things like that, so. But in the Europe area. <laughs> well, and that's, like, there's one where the editor just, like, breaks in, and the the, the, author, the author, S. Morgan Stern, is, my, my editor is complaining to me that they're so confused and breaking down in tears because they don't understand when the novel is supposed to be taking place. How can it be before Europe, but she lives in Paris? <laughs> wow. How have I not read this book 300 times? Because <laughs> it, It's in the glove it, box of the car. <laughs> it is so grotesque how much that is my kind of, like, meta humor. That's beautiful. No, but I also don't want to be retroactively disappointed that they didn't bring some of that into the movie. <sighs> it's it's very much, I think they're de- definitely separate entities. And yeah. I think, obviously, since William Goldman wrote the novel, I think he is kind of the authority on adapting his own material. And I think he did a good job taking, like, what needed to be taken from the novel and leaving out some of the other stuff almost as, like, a treat for when you do get to read it. Because they're still very similar in feeling, I think, even if they're not exactly the same. He's the J.K. Rowling of his time. What? I couldn't think of anyone else who adapted their own <laughs> stuff. <laughs> oh, Emma Donahue with uh, Room. She adapted yes. her own novel. Yes. He's the Emma Donahue of his time. <laughs> Julian Flynn. Oh, yep. Your favorite. Ugh. I'm, <laughs> the, the, <laughs> Two of. <laughs> Two of. Marriage is what brings us together today. <laughs> I will say, if you see this at a certain time of life, it probably will give you a... Uh, Probably not the greatest idea of how love actually works. Which, it works in many ways. But, uh, I don't know. Usually there aren't rodents of uh, enormous size involved. You don't have to scale cliffs. But maybe it serves as a good metaphor for the fact that there's going to be some give and take. You're going to have to to put some work. you got to put some work in. (laughs) And the whole... I love you thing stands as as you wish instead. Like, I don't know if I'd ever want a guy to say as you wish to every one of my ridiculous demands as a way of him saying he loves me. Even if he rolls down a hill and just goes as you wish. 
thunk. She's like, oh, shit. <laughs> He'll probably dude. just say, ouch, several times yeah. on his way down. My favorite part of that scene is how obviously overdubbed, like, the lines No. Are. Nope. I that also might love be, how she rolls that after. I was going to say, yeah. that might be my favorite part of the whole movie, <laughs> is that she just immediately realizes and then just jumps after him. Like, that was some body python stuff right there. It was. And... I don't know. I think that's also why I like this movie so much. It's because you do get some Monty Python-esque things from it. It's that, that British absurdism. It's the, it revels in its own humor, and I think that's... Revel. And I still think that one of the best things about the film is the fact that Vizzini and Fezzik are, like, the best sidekicks ever. <laughs> and even an ego, I should say. Even an ego. Like, those we three... We have villains that go to good guys. We have... Just the, the gray areas of life. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, those three, I think that they're one of the best trios I've ever seen in a movie that aren't main characters, but they're still involved enough that they're considered main characters, if that even makes any sense whatsoever. No, for sure. And the fact that Andre the Giant is in it. Like, it, this is... You can tell, going back to this being not as dated, but this was during Andre the Giant's heyday. Like, he was a very, very popular, recognizable figure would, when this movie was say, filmed. Would you say he was a giant in popular uh. culture? <laughs> Fire! Uh. <laughs> Yay! We did it! Uh, who am I looking up? Oh, uh, one thing that still gets me because I am uh, getting older, but still young... Billy Crystal is still such a weird figure to me because I mostly just know him for this movie and Monsters, Inc. But he has this whole other life as evidenced by the fact that he hosted the Oscars and did blackface and it was really weird. Oh my God. (laughs) Someone needs to tell him to put that thing back where it came from or so help him. (laughs) Billy Crystal is very dated as a human being, I feel. I also love... I love Vizzini and how boisterous and blusterous he is. And just, it's, that's a really entertaining villain, you know? It's almost too bad he had to die. (laughs) And also, can we talk about Vizzini's, like, just general frustration of having to be with Inigo and Fezzik? Especially in the scene where Vizzini wants them to jump in after her and Inigo just doesn't swim and Fezzik only dog paddles and he's just like, ah. I love, I... I, I don't know, I've always loved that weird, they're allies, but also are totally ambivalent to each other. Mm-hmm. It's like they were just thrown together, and they go from there, and the weird boss-level fights, and then suddenly he kills Vizzini, and they're all pals. And the, every time I've watched them, I'm like, sure, honestly, I'm having a good enough time, why not? Also, they're very invested for mercenaries. All right, it sounds like we are sort of wrapping up, so... No, but I have to butcher more quotes. <laughs> <laughs> Megan, do you have any final points but... of Bride that you would like to expound upon? Well, it's just a great love story, even though people right now might not believe in love. Certain unnamed people <laughs> who are currently doing this whole podcast, <laughs> me. But, um, no. It, like... I thought that was a shot at me for a second. I'm like, no. what did I do? No. Well, we won't even get into the road discussion. It's got very I dark. Had... We won't even get into the rodent discussion we had yesterday. Where the rodent just, discussion. <laughs> where you weren't even convinced that adorable, like, kangaroo mouse called the Jerboa existed. They're going to devour anyway. us all. I'm just saying. It's, <laughs> it's yeah, a, a plot by the internet like the, to devour our souls. They're not like the bunnies from Monty Python. And they're certainly not rodents of unusual sizes. But if you haven't seen this movie, I'm just convinced that you live under a rock, honestly, because it's it's just one of those things that if you meet someone that hasn't seen it, you just go, what have you been doing with your life? How? You just have to be like, Why? all right, well, sit down because it's time right now. <laughs> now I'm going to be your best exactly. friend because you're really going to love me. you. You will love me like Wesley loves Buttercup after I show you this movie. <laughs> True. True. Yes. And of course, it does have that lovely, you know, everyone gets married and is happy at the end because, duh, it's a princess movie. Of course, it's going to have that. You know, Disney doesn't Vizzini have died. the whole. He didn't get a happy ending. <laughs> well, okay. Just saying, we forget about yeah. we we in these fantasy stories, we all forget about the people who died along the way, and you know, not everyone got a happy ending. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, at least no one no got one eaten by a dragon. Last movies. No. no one thinks of our dead friends who've passed. <laughs> don't get to love. Don't get to. Don't get to experience true love. Won't someone think of the dead people? <laughs> I mean, actually, yes. We discussed a TV show that does just that earlier. Where all they do is think See? of the dead people. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I brought it all we're, together. We're just tying this all back. Yep. We're tying it all back. That's the little bow. We're putting it on top. What a neat and tidy gif we have recorded. Yes. <laughs> so, now <laughs> we shall move on to recommendations. She did it! <laughs> Which I just realized I forgot to think of one. <laughs> Same. Stardust would honestly be like my suggestion, but yeah, <laughs> have you found one? Uh, yeah, Megan, do you have a recommendation? You know what? If we're going to stick with the lines of princess movies, even though this one technically isn't out, you should at least go watch the trailers for Moana. Because it's shows that you can still be like a Tina Belcher, I guess. Smart, strong, <laughs> sensual woman. <laughs> I'm so excited for that movie to come out. One, because it looks great. Two, because Lin-Manuel Miranda. <laughs> yes. And three, The Rock. Yes. Oh my gosh. How could I forget National Treasure, Dwayne The Rock Johnson? Yes. And I would say that, like, it might not be out now, but it's what I'm looking forward to seeing. And it just fuels my love of princess movies, even though it's like an atypical one where I guess she's not a damsel in distress and isn't as moody as Buttercup. (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Although I don't know if any princess has ever been. Well, uh, maybe Elsa from Frozen is as moody as Buttercup. I, I also want to say I appreciate the recommendation, not only because it's a great recommendation, but also because I am now not the only person on this podcast to recommend a movie I've never seen. <laughs> Good. We did it. I'm Kayla? going to recommend uh, the Disney movie Enchanted, which is kind of along the same lines as The Princess Bride, in which it kind of turns the princess romantic comedy movie tropes on their head a little bit it stars amy adams as the most enchanting ha and cute princess of all time patrick dempsey is there and i will maintain that the the movie would have been a hundred times better if amy adams and adina menzel had gotten together in the end but that's neither here nor there but it's fun it has great music it is hilarious and yeah you should watch it are you looking forward to the potential sequel i didn't know they were doing a sequel disenchanted what oh yeah is that real or are you yes it's real yes oh, I, was like, I was like i can't tell if you're messing with me <laughs> yeah no i've actually heard never. like murmurs of this coming out this headline from e-news says that amy adams wants an enchanted sequel as much as you do good which seems like it's gonna vary greatly upon depending upon who's reading that headline if it means more songs, like that's how you know, I'm I'm sold. I'm just saying she <laughs> sings an entire song about like winning over a girl, and she spends like half the movie talking about how beautiful the women around her are. I'm just saying that Nancy, and it, it, it could have happened. It could have happened, and it would have been great. You can maybe you can write a spec script based on that. You know, <laughs> what would be their ship name? Jizancy, Nancel. I don't know. You can you can workshop it, <laughs> Tyler. Just, what's uh, what's your recommendation? Just uh, just keep workshopping it, and you know what? We'll uh, get we'll it. get there. So I was I was thinking about going in like the self aware direction, but uh, all the movies I can think of like that are ones we've discussed already or had on the podcast. So I'm just gonna actually double back on a movie I've already mentioned um, because I also want to rewatch it now that I've reminded myself it exists. Uh, the Congress, which it, it's just because it's such a weird and bizarre movie. And one of my favorite things to do is to get people to watch weird and bizarre movies like at the video store. Whenever I got someone to rent uh, the Killer Tire movie Rubber, which I don't even think is that great. That's just mean. I just, <laughs> I just think sometimes it's great to watch something weird. Uh, it was directed by Ari Fullman, who also did uh, was involved with Waltz with Bashir. An untitled Frank and Frank project. Oh, that sounds depressing. <laughs> uh, but he directed the uh, A Waltz with Bashir, which is also one of the most incredible, inventive documentaries of the past few decades. Um, I know that I already knew that, not just because people have been doing articles with that exact title and headline in the last week, but uh, he just really does this amazing thing with combining animation 
with live action and there's just no movie quite like it except for maybe his other movies just <laughs> seek it out yay all right so this week's interesting trivia so the movie uh, <laughs> suffered in development hell for a really long time. William yeah. Goldman spent, uh, I want to say, 12 years trying to get it made. Mm-hmm. And originally, he wanted an unknown Arnold Schwarzenegger to play in the Andre the Giant role. And huh. it was he. they couldn't get the movie off the ground. And he actually wanted Andre the Giant to play the role the entire time. But he was like, that's never going to happen. So you just have to give up on that dream. But uh, by the time the movie actually happened, Arnold Schwarzenegger was literally too expensive for the budget because he became a giant star. But luckily, he was able to get Andre the Giant in the role, and everyone got what they wanted in the first place. I honestly cannot imagine that movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger in it. Huh. No. Be very... Arnold Schwarzenegger and anything, I just... It almost baffles me how he became such a huge star because he's, like, not particularly good at acting and his accent is so, like, pervasively just usually out of place. And now he's doing ads for cell phone games. I know. Like, I just... Weird. In the right context, he can be incredible. Granted, it kind of doesn't explain how he got famous in the first place because pretty much everything I love him in now is fascinating and plays on the fa- plays on the fact that he is famous and yeah. is this weird presence but uh i mean there's the movie the last stand is one of the most ridiculous incredible things i've ever seen <laughs> so you have said <laughs> and he actually does a decent job acting in maggie like after doing it for several decades you get you can get decent at the thing <laughs> you're like, doing ah my daughter <laughs> is a zombie now how? It's actually not that good of a movie, but he's <laughs> My daughter has a zombie. Anyway, Tyler, what's our stat of the week? I can week? allow for a bad accent. Stat of the week. What's the stat of the week? The stat of the week. No. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> there are two Rob Zombie. Rob Zombie. Yeah, Rob Zombie. <laughs> Rob Zombie, director of The Princess Bride. That would be a very different movie. I mean, to self-promote, I did do an interview with Rob Zombie that's going to be pairing the October issue of Substream Magazine. It's like <clears> the <throat> rats just eat them but, uh, and they die in the swamp and Humperdinck is a clown for some reason. <laughs> Honestly, that's actually probably not far off from what it would be. But uh, Rob Reiner so happens to have two movies on the IMDb 250, and we've already burned through both of them. So uh, that's it. As that's far the as last it, you're ever going to hear. Rob, Rob Reiner's Reiner. dead to us. I know we just talked about how we shouldn't like leave people for dead because they haven't done what have they done for us recently? He's dead. But uh, he has no more movies in the 250. So until he directs something good enough to be on there. Sorry, Rob Reiner, you don't matter anymore. <laughs> oh, God. I'm firing both of us for that one. <laughs> that was bad. We did it. Yes. So uh, thank you, Megan, for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm sorry it took this long to get you on the podcast for real. <laughs> and thank you for tolerating us. <laughs> thank you for being <laughs> yeah. like we very, were very accommodating and good human. <laughs> I feel like we were more unhinged than usual, to be honest. Both no, this, this is pretty good. We did pretty so good. good. No, no, we're great. It's fine. You did so good. Anyway. You did so good. <laughs> if you are interested in being on an episode of this podcast, Hi. you are free to email us at ltrfipod at gmail.com. Tyler is good at checking that. I am not good at checking that. So oh, that's me. probably be dealing with Tyler. The more fun and interactive way to get a hold of us would be our Twitter, which is also twitter.com slash LTRFI pod. We have Where we, we have taken to recommending our favorite podcast episodes and letterbox lists that are super fun. <laughs> yes. There's good content. Fresh, hot hashtag content on yes. there. We also have a newsletter that goes out every week on Monday or Tuesday. Mm. You can subscribe to that at tinyletter.com slash LTRFI. It is basically just news, stuff we like. We did podcast recommendations not too long ago. And just keep doing stuff like that. It's fun. I shared some of the best movies on horror streaming right now. Yes. For your seasonal (laughs) streaming needs. And also we have our Tumblr, which is letTheRightFilmsIn.tumblr.com, where we have gifts that Tyler has made, interesting movie posters that we found by cool artists, uh, all of our show notes, all that good stuff. And as always, we are available on all of your favorite 
podcatcher apps. We are also available on iTunes and SoundCloud, which is what I should have said we're, first. We're out there. <laughs> so, iTunes and SoundCloud and all of your favorite apps, such as Stitcher, Podbay. Feel free to Overcast. find us, add us, add us, whatever you want to <laughs> do. Just do whatever you want. We're here for you. So... Again, we are, despite the fact that this episode has nothing to do with Halloween, in the middle of celebrating uh, our favorite time of year. We'll have bonus episodes going up throughout the month of just different Halloween movies that we like. We We just did Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Which is not a movie that we like. Which is the exact opposite of this. (laughs) But we... (laughs) In fact, if you listen to that episode and are wondering what to do with your life, this is probably a good episode to follow up with. (laughs) But you're already here, so you already did that. So I don't know. <laughs> Just plug in the episode. I don't know. All right. So we will see you again quite soon. <laughs> Remember, Jurassic World is a terrible movie and always will be. <laughs> I forgot what my joke was. We'll see you at the parents' conference. Thank you. back and she's like oh farm boy i was worried you had been so like tricked by the trick that i played on you earlier because of course i would never love you and he's just like shut up and he also delivers like a four paragraph declaration of love and then he's like anyway i have to go now so i can make money to marry you and he just like leaves on a ship and like as he's about to go she's just like he's about to leave and she's just like not even a kiss (laughs) and then they make out $42. Sure. Why not? (laughs) Why don't I just go fuck myself? (laughs) Sleep well, Tyler. Before I may kill you in the morning. (laughs) I worked through the podcast. I did a good job on both things. (laughs) And they realize, wow, these two have no idea what they're doing.